Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Good morning! It's the 1st of June! That's just almost hard to believe. It's June the 1st, 2023. Good morning, I'm Carmen LaBerge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen on the Faith Radio Network. So, um, so privileged to be spending this time with you today. So thank you so much. Our Growing Your Faith verse of the day comes from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna a food previously unknown to you and to your ancestors. He did it uh, to teach you that people do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Now, I suspect that uh, if you're a Christian, then you know um, that scriptural citation, but you know it from the teachings of Jesus, not from the origin passage that we have before us today in Deuteronomy 8.3. My guess is that you know it from the temptation story of Jesus. So when Jesus is uh, confronted by the temptations of the enemy in the wilderness after a 40-day fast, um, Jesus answers with the very word of the living God, and he answers um, in part with this passage from Deuteronomy 8.3. You know, Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. When Jesus was literally famished, I mean, a 40-day fast, when Jesus was literally famished, he reminds us that God provides for us in ways beyond the world's physical provisions. And hunger is real. Thirst is real. But Jesus says those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will be filled. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all those things that the Lord knows you need, food and shelter and clothing, all those things will be supplied to you as well. Now, maybe not in the way or in the style or in the flavor that we think that we want right now, but certainly in a way that God knows is ultimately best for the accomplishing of his will in and through our lives. This is a um, trust God to be God, trust God to know best. Trust God to provide and deliver, and if not in this life, then certainly in the life that is to come. Consider all the ways that people are trying today to live by bread alone. Just think about that for a moment. How are you trying to live by bread alone? What difference might it make if instead we lived as Jesus commends to us here by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord? I mean, if I'm going to live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord, then I got to know every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord, which gets us, of course, to the question that we like to ask day after day after day. Where in the word are you today? Where in the word are we today? And how are we feasting on the word of God to fill and nourish and supply for our needs in a world gorging on all varieties of Turkish delights. 
And that's one of those let those who have ears hear. If you're not familiar with that reference, um, you know, I commend to you C.S. Lewis's the, the Chronicles of Narnia, particularly The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, where we uh, encounter Turkish delights and the power they have over us. All right, one quick headline before we bring our friend Ben Johnson um, on this morning to bring the mind of Christ to bear on some of the issues of the day. Uh, you will want to know that the House of Representatives passed the debt ceiling negotiated bill last night to suspend the nation's debt limit through January 1, 2025, so beyond the next presidential election. The final vote tally, 314 to 117. Republicans voted 149 to 71. Democrats voted 165 to 46. That is a clear indication that no one got everything that they wanted, but that's precisely the nature of a compromise. So House Speaker Kevin McCarthy has also committed to creating a bipartisan budget commission to help reduce the deficit over time and tackle the broader issues that we face of the federal budget, which um, <clears throat> deficit now exceeds $31 trillion. So um, it has passed the House. It goes to the Senate today. would certainly expect uh, it to be passed and signed by the president by the June 5 deadline when the Treasury Department says uh, the United States is going to run out of money, which seems like crazy even to say out loud. But there you go. All right. Our friend Ben Johnson is going to join us next. Here's going to be the question that we're going to um, lead off with. And when's the last time you had a good debate? Do you like to debate? Are you a debater? I mean, it's not going to surprise you that I like a good debate. In fact, I'll take the side. I'll take any side. Like you pick a side and I'll just take the other side. Like I I enjoy like that good intellectual conversational exercise of, you know, chewing on something together until we arrive at, um, you know, at the right thing. Uh, But debate is not only um, a dying art in the culture, it's actually no longer even real debate. Let's debate that. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Hey, Ben Johnson is with us. He's the rights writer. He's a senior reporter and editor at the Washington Stand. Good morning, Ben. Good morning, Carmen. Happy June. Thank you. Uh, wonderful to be with you uh, during Life Month here. Right? Absolutely. Amen. Amen. Um, which, okay, also leads me to just a quick question that's not even, you know, this is not even teed up for conversation today. But if someone were just to, like, randomly ask you to reflect on June as, quote, unquote, Pride Month, do you have like a Christian worldview response to that? I think the only way that uh, we can deal with this as as Christians when we're confronted with uh, the, the onslaught of Pride Month uh, is to say that we believe in our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ, uh, that we do not glory except in the cross. And uh, so uh, we believe that uh, pride in general is, uh, is one of the seven deadly sins, and uh, we we take uh, instead our cue that we should have humility and that we should kneel and give all glory to God. Yeah, I think that the idea that pride actually alienates us from God is um, such a good conversation to have, um, you know, and and yet I think it's one that's hard to have in the culture today. So, um, yeah, so thank you for um, just you're willing to comment on that. I was asked yesterday, like, how would I respond in a conversation? And I'm like, oh, let's talk about that. So I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to be um, unwinding that over the next maybe few days and weeks because I think we need to be equipped for that conversation. Um, let's talk about debate. Let's talk about specifically about high school debate. 
Um, it's a good place for young people to learn how to engage one another um, uh, over ideas. Tell us what's going on um, and what is no longer up for debate in high school debating. Unfortunately, uh, the debating team has decided that uh, debate is no longer a, a requirement um, for if you want to be on the debate. In fact, it can be a disqualification if you hope to win. So uh, debate is incredibly important. The number of debating teams across the country have been declining for some time. Uh, it used to be uh, sort of a, a, an in vogue kind of thing to do because uh, it allowed you to make an intellectual argument, uh, to learn good rhetoric. But uh, the most important thing in debate is was it, it, you got to know your own argument inside and out. But in order to really win, you also had to know your opponent's argument. So uh, because you knew, had you had to know exactly what he was going to say, or what that team was going to say, where they were going to attack you, what the weaknesses of your own argument were, and what the uh, weaknesses that uh, uh, that they have are, so that you can also counterattack, parry, defend yourself and give the best possible presentation for your views. In the process, of course, you refine what you think, and you get a better appreciation of the other side. Unfortunately, uh, that whole give and take is now gone in many places. There was a wonderful piece published by the Free Press looking into this. Uh, for example, they went through the profiles of different judges. Uh, the the uh, National School Debate Association allows the judges to post their profiles and what they look for. So they're telling people, when you debate in front of me, here's what I'm looking for. One of them, uh, named Lila Lavender, posts, and this is a quote, Before anything else, including being a debate judge, I am a Marxist-Leninist Maoist. I cannot check the revolutionary proletariat science at the door when I'm judging. <laughs> and so she goes on to say that something that would automatically... Uh, disqualify someone from her good graces would be, for example, quote, defenses of U.S. or otherwise bourgeois nationalism, Zionism or normalizing Israel, uh, or fascist policing, saying that policing is good. Uh, so that's that's one example. They pull other examples of uh, people who say that if you say that certain forms of uh, immigration are illegal, they will automatically disqualify you. Uh, and they have others who say that members of uh, certain ethnic groups are held to different standards of evidence than others. So uh, the entire idea that when you come into a debate, there is a predefined way that you have to present that, and that if you present the argument you have been assigned, you will automatically lose. Uh, this this seems uh, obviously to defeat the very purpose of debate. That's important for us as Christians, because when the Apostle Paul went to Mars Hill. He didn't just present the gospel. Uh, you know, when when he was in Athens, when he was before other people, he began by quoting pagan philosophers, or he began by quoting their shared ground uh, that he learned when he was a Pharisee, when he was in the synagogue. And then he would reason from that to the Christian position often. So it's important for us as Christians to be able to reach out to where people are, to form connections and to be able to present the gospel in the best possible light. And if we can't even present uh, one side of the argument, we certainly can't understand it or reason or or uh, even begin to view that side as worthy of debate. It's a wonderful um, conversation topic for today. And so if you're listening right now um, and you want to read what the Free Press has written about this, um, judges ruin high school debate tournaments um, is is the article you're looking for. There's an alternative to what's happening out there, and it's called the Christian Sp Speech and Debate League. 
ncfca, ncfca.org, if you um, want young people to be fully equipped for the kinds of conversations that are taking place in the culture today and want to invite them into a process of um, being equipped to debate the issues of the day, NCFCA is a wonderful place to do that. Um, our own Toast, who was our intern um, at uh, at not only Faith Radio but Northwestern Media, um, uh, was on our program years ago when he was a high school student and um, and was engaged in uh, in debate through this organization. So, um, all right, we're going to return to our conversation with Ben Johnson here in just a moment, and we're going to talk about what teachers think should not be taught. Capitalism among the topics. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. As we consider the life of Jesus and the life of the first generation of Christians, reading here the book of Acts and all the letters to the Christians in the New Testament, we see people who like wake up. They come to see and understand and then receive Jesus as their Savior and Lord. And it changes everything. We see Christians then telling other people about the good news and inviting them to respond in repentance, be baptized, and follow Jesus. The movement of Christianity grows person by person and then exponentially as people walking in darkness receive the light of Christ and want others to know what they know and have what they have. Well, you and I are living in dark days. People need light. And Jesus is the light of the world today in the same way that he was the light of the world at the beginning of creation and at the first Christmas and throughout his life on earth and in his radiance now at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is the light of the world. So if you're walking in darkness of any kind today, I invite you to consider Jesus. If you'd like to know more about what it means to begin a relationship with Christ or to chat with someone about it, just text the word FAITH to 41224. Continuing our conversation with our friend Ben Johnson, let's uh, let's talk, Ben, about um, what teachers are up to, not only in California, or yeah, not only in California, because that was a few years ago, but now in Colorado, what are teachers um, declaring that they are not going to teach? Capitalism, and it's not so much even that they're not going to teach it, but they're going to teach one side of it, uh, very much like the debate that uh, we were talking about, a one-sided debate and a, a one-sided teaching system. Uh, the Colorado Education Association, which is the uh, state affiliate of the NEA uh, in that state, 39,000 members, teachers and uh, school staff as well, adopted a statement that says, and I quote, capitalism inherently exploits children, public schools, land, labor, and resources. The original version uh, of the uh, resolution said that uh, capitalism is in opposition to fully addressing systemic racism, the school of prison pipeline, climate change, patriarchy, gender and LGBTQ disparities, education inequality, and income inequality. And uh, that's that's actually still in the uh, resolution. The original version called for the replacement of capitalism with some other system. So according to the Colorado Education Association, the only correct understanding of capitalism is that it is exploitative of every element of society. Uh, and and again, particularly it, it mentions children, public schools, land, labor, and resources. Uh, the, the Colorado educators might want to educate themselves on the state of, uh, of, of how Marxism treated, for example, 
child labor, free speech in public schools, uh, the condition of the environment and the sort the uh, the uh, environment and land and uh, labor union freedom in say communist Poland. I mean, well, and I mean, isn't it capitalism that produces taxes, and isn't it taxes that pays for public school teachers? Right. I mean, am I? That's, that's I mean, exactly I mean, am right. I wrong I, that the yeah that the system that they are seeking to tear down is actually the one providing for the food on their table and their rent? I mean, I, and the jobs they have, like I, I just it, it's like people don't actually think even all the way through the. Yeah, it, it, it's baffling to me. I, I sound baffled because I am. Yeah, well, precisely. I mean, capitalism is what creates and generates the wealth that uh, we see in in the West, uh, particularly in the United States. Obviously, uh, trying to define capitalism is is kind of like you know trying to define a lot of terms. It's somewhat amorphous. Uh, in in actual practice, when people criticize capitalism, usually what they mean is our current economic system, which uh, you know has has a lot of regulation going back to the forties. Uh, I'll be the first one to say that obviously there are special favors written into the tax code for certain groups and mm-hmm. people who are well mm-hmm. connected. There's no doubt about it. Uh, so that's that is something that needs to be addressed. But the the free market uh, and and generally the less uh, the less regulated in in some uh, respects the better, uh, but but uh, obviously you need to have certain safeguards and so on. But the free market is what allows people to choose their own profession, to choose what they're best at, and to use their God given talents to serve others. And we thank one another uh, by paying for one another, and those those uh, connections at work and in the market often create actual opportunities for us to come face to face with others to to develop relationships with them and even to share the gospel with people at work or uh, people at places where we shop well and yeah yeah it's just okay we need civics education as well um there's a piece at the washington post that i will uh i'll send you guys if you're interested um on have we hit rock bottom in civics education but ben i would like for you to spend the next couple of minutes talking about what you're working on right now which i understand is a piece on the department of homeland security issuing a warning that churches face increased threat of attack apparently until following the 2024 election what's going on there yeah the timeline is not very encouraging the uh The Department of Homeland Security put out this bulletin on May 24th saying that uh, the United States is in a heightened threat environment uh, and that there are several groups that are targeted. uh, But it says likely targets of political potential violence. Uh, It it includes critical infrastructure. But the next one on the list, number two on the list, are faith-based institutions. So we're talking about churches, church schools, and uh, church-affiliated universities, religious centers. Uh, so that's that they say this is something that uh, is likely to come under increased attack over the next uh, uh, next period of time. And of course, they uh, cite the Nashville church shooting uh, among a school church school shooting at Covenant School, among others. But this uh, this is concerning. And they say that uh, this heightened threat environment uh, includes, quote unquote, people's perceptions of the 2024 general election cycle which tells me this is likely to go on at least for uh, another year and a half. Uh, my friend over at FRC, Ariel Turco, has written two reports on the number of attacks on churches. Uh, we had a, a large number of attacks over the first five years that she surveyed, but when she looked at just the first quarter of this year, the first uh, three months up through the end of March, 
the number of attacks this year compared to last year tripled uh, this year compared to last year. And she's looking at number of attacks in institutions, not number of victims per se, uh, just in case anyone would would criticize or look into it. She is looking at the overall number of attacks on churches. And uh, there, there have been a total of 69. The month of January this year was the most of any time uh, that she had surveyed over the last six years. So Christians need to be uh, vigilant about what's happening. They need to be concerned about security, as we always do, physical security. And uh, this is obviously a time for us uh, to do the very most that we can to harden the institutions where we are, to uh, to make sure that we have protection for those who are coming in to our sanctuaries, and to be assured uh, of ourselves and our relationship with Christ so that we know that at any time uh, that uh, we are we are called to him that we are ready to meet him face to face because we believe in the blood of Jesus Christ. Ben, you made reference to the Nashville um, church school shooting at Covenant. And, you know, I think that the contemporary conversation or debate um, that's now turned into lawsuits on both sides um, is about whether or not the manifesto of the shooter should be you know, publicly released in any way. And the families of the victims and the church itself are asking that um, that manifesto remain sealed. Others are asking that it be, you know, released so that, you know, folks can better understand the the motive and the motivation of the person who carried out the deadly attack. I, I don't, that is a, um, that is a difficult, um, that's difficult to weigh in terms of the, the, the concern that we would have for the victim's families, um, and the concern that we would have as the public to seek to understand um, the motive, the motive, and the motivations of um, of of the assailant. It is, and I, I think one of the um, one of the key factors here would would be um, for someone to go through and and uh, potentially redact some information. Uh, I understand that there are concerns that um, the identities of some of the people here and some of the um, some of the specifics about. The layout of the school, how she knew uh, which area mm. of the school, for example, to enter, that that is still a, a security concern, and they would like to have that part redacted. Uh, mm. So, so I think that it's it's reasonable to say that portions of it could be redacted for that purpose. But I think the overall thrust of what it is that drove this motivation, what it is that ended up exploding into this act of violence. We need to know the core of that, uh, as we do for all the other mass shootings. When when people write manifestos, they're usually up. I, I object when people take those down. I think that we need to know what motivated these people so that we can address the underlying concern that is there and do our best to, uh, to alleviate those concerns on the front end before people uh, only have access to one side of the debate and they end up stewing in it and it explodes into acts of violence that turn into national tragedies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or just pure speculation, which I think is also a challenge as well. Mm-hmm. Um, ben, thank you. Thank you, brother. Um, blessings. Uh, happy uh, celebratory life month. Um, and thank you for the ongoing conversations we have the opportunity to have with you. Appreciate it. Always my pleasure. Thanks for being my best debate partner. <laughs> uh, we look forward to um, what Ben is going to post next at WashingtonStand.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio.
June is uh, lots of things. Uh, we've talked about the fact that it's Life Month. It's also Pride Month. Uh, we are going to unpack that, I promise you, over the course of days and weeks and equip you for conversations related to that. June is also the month of graduations and weddings, family reunions, family vacations, college kids, home for the summer. So how do we pray in the midst of all of that? How do we um, pray in advance and in the midst of what can be very stressful family situations? Um, And in a world that seems constantly on fire, how do we experience the peace, the genuine peace of Christ that surpasses all understanding? We're going to talk with Kathy Branzell next from the National Day of Prayer Task Force. Um, let's prepare ourselves, not only for a summer of fun, but for a summer of being used by God in the midst of all of our relationships and in the world that he so loves to advance his gospel purposes. Let's pray through the June gloom. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. We love our conversations with Kathy Branzell from the National Day of Prayer Task Force. Kathy, welcome back. Oh, so good to be with you. Happy summer. Happy summer. Happy summer. So I thought it would be fun. Um, There's a lot of folks who land this time of year in June gloom. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I would like for us to pray through the June gloom to a spiritually successful summer. Yes. Can you help us do that? Yes. Yes. Um, you know, and one of the things is always identify, like, what's the gloom? You and I, I think, talked about this back as we approached the holidays. And we talked about being the peace or being the joy, right? Uh, us first. So what is it um, that can cause our June gloom so that we can overcome it, so that we can have a strategy, a prayerful, you know, strategy to fight against it? And so um, it may be that there's this huge shift, um, that there's no structure in our days, or there's no routine anymore, or we have um, <laughs> we have uh, other other members of our family living in our house that aren't usually with us. You've got kids coming home from college. You've got um, children that from divorced parents that are going to see or stay with the other parent, there's all these shifts in schedule and that can cause gloom. And so what do we do? We need to prepare what we're going to do to make it wonderful. Uh, What are the things that uh, we want to do together? What are things we want to accomplish? Uh, Even um, I know that we talk a lot about our bucket list, but it's, you know, just what would we like to accomplish over the summer? You and I talked about how my um, sister-in-law, she's the queen of this. They make a list every May of things that they want to do, simple and complicated, things they want to learn, people they want to see, things they want to (laughs) eat, grow, whatever it is. And and they have it on the refrigerator as a, a, a way to set a goal, a way to set a focus on the summer and make it fun. I love that. Um, so what do you want to accomplish this summer? Another way of thinking about that is at the end of the summer, how do you want to be different than you are today? What do you want to be different? How do you want to be different? Is there a room in your house or a closet in a room in your house that you would like to be oh. different at the end of the summer? 
Um, Maybe you would like your family menu to be different at the end of the summer than it is right now. Maybe it's your, you'd like to, it could be your sleep pattern, like whatever, like summer's a good opportunity to learn something, to go somewhere, to see something, to experience something, to grow something, to fix something, to clean something. What do you want to accomplish this summer? What, um, when you look back over the summer at the end of it, what do you want to be different than it is today? Um, So, Kathy, you've talked about some of these um, shifts that take place in the summer. I'm thinking about uh, summer tends to be a time for family reunions. Um, That's a big shift for a lot of people. Family vacations, that's a shift out of work mode or school mode into vacation mode and then back again. Um, the shifts that take place because of graduations and weddings, um, and then the the kind of like annual shift that takes place, kids moving in and out um, because of, um, let's say, you know, the just the rhythm of the academic year. So mm-hmm. maybe we could talk about each of these in turn. Do you have like specific thoughts in terms of like praying for kids, yeah. uh, young people who are graduating from high school or college and their parents and their like what's coming next. Like, are there strategies for these kinds of things? Yeah. So I'm going to we'll, we'll, we'll just put a whole bunch of things up on the website. Right. Uh, so here here's here's some advice. Make sure you include to change their mood. So mm. the thing that we do wrong is we take our ideas and our plans and what we want to see be different at the end of the year for another human being. (laughs) And we place them on top of them instead of going in and valuing their voice and saying, what would you like to learn? What would you like to do? What would you like to see? What would you like to accomplish? What would you like to be different at the end of this summer? And so make sure you include um, to set that mood. You'll get more buy-in, you'll get more participation. Secondly, of course, prayer. Let's talk a lot about prayer because um, you want to pray about everything. Otherwise, we're saying we're going to run off and in our own strength and our own understanding, here's everything we're going to do this summer. So, so set the pattern for prayer. Lord, what do you want to see different in us this summer? What are some things you want to change in us this summer? Lord, in your strength, in your authority, in your priority, show us what this summer looks like because every minute has mission and remember rest and refreshment is part of God's mission and and children learn other people learn from experiences and most children learn from the experience what they experience from their parents and so if we have set a routine of no margin no rest that's what we've taught them if we've set a routine of they're trying to talk to us and our faces and our phone and we're going the mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then we're teaching them it's okay not to make eye contact and make and 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 uh, be distracted when we're talking to other people. And so we need to uh, set the tone in prayer and set the tone by example. So you mentioned weddings and family reunions. These are all a chance to learn how to pray for people. We pray oh. about circumstances so much, right? We want God to fix something, change something, give us something, heal someone. But but prayer is about people. And so how do you pray people through graduation? Pray in their present, 
and pray for their future. And teaching as a family to do this, same thing for weddings. How do you pray a, a blessing in the present of the wedding, but also pray deep into their future? You can set that tone up. Pray as you see something that's not right or you experience something that isn't right. And then ask God how you can change that in the future. All in prayer, starting in prayer, hemmed in in prayer, carried out through prayer. All right. All kinds of uh, things happening during the summer that give us opportunity to um, take a breath, to evaluate, to invest in others to pray for others. What's on your uh, what's on your calendar? What's on your agenda? Um, how are you not only praying for the people involved in each and every one of those, but how are you asking people, um, hey, what do you um, what do you see coming this summer that you want me to pray with you um, in anticipation of or through? How do you um, how do you want to be different at the end of the summer and how could we walk together through the next several weeks in that yeah. journey? Lots of opportunities. We're going to talk, uh, we're going to continue our conversation with Kathy Brenzel in just a moment. We're praying through the June gloom to a spiritually successful summer. What, what would that even possibly look like? More next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Continuing our conversation now with Kathy Branzell from the National Day of Prayer Task Force. We're talking about um, praying into and through our summer Kathy, I'm thinking also um, there are lots of churches that make pastoral transitions um, in the summer, lots of churches that are engaged in either going on or hosting mission uh, missionaries or mission trips, mission groups, mission experiences. Um, And then there's just also, I got to tell you, a lot of like stressful family stuff that arises during the summer. So I don't know, wander around in any of that. Let's meander through the summer, right? Uh, through all right. of the things. Um, so um, flip the coin and decide this is a chance to get to know your family better, to get to know mm. your children. Or maybe you're thinking, I spend day in and day out with my children. I know them just fine. So start asking um, very focused questions like, hey, what's your favorite vacation that we've gone on and why? What's your favorite story that I read to you as a child and why? Hey, what's your favorite meal? I I think I know. I I thought it was this. You know, it's so funny in families, you you know, mom or dad will cook a special dessert or a special meal for one another or for a kid over and over again through their lifetime, only to find out 10 years later they hate that (laughs) or it's really not their favorite. And so start asking questions and then allow them to ask you questions. 
uh, you know, spark this time at, at a dinner discussion? What's your favorite thing to do over the summer? And why? Why? Because it's in the why that you get to know them more. Um, you know, there's, there's also, uh, I want to remind everybody that VBS is not Stanford Vacation Babysitting. It is Vacation Bible School. And so how do we take the things that happen to our children that are, they hear our families, our spouses as well. Every time I say children, you know, think of all your relationships. For those of you who don't have kids or you're not at the age yet of having kids, think about your parents, other people you have relationships with. All of these things um, are pertinent to them as well. But what seeds are being planted in someone's life that you say, hey, can we talk about that? You know, oh, I saw this really cool commercial that said something about Jesus. Can we talk about that? Oh, you know, I, I, I am, I, I'm really interested in this youth mission trip, or I really want my school adopted in prayer next August when we go back to school. How do I start working on that now? Um, you know, just just live life with mission, um, with God's permission. I have a friend, um, Kathy, who. Um, taught me a lot uh, about raising kids um, and it, just by the things that I overheard and saw her do with her own kids when they came home from college. And um, she she kind of had a list in mind, but, you know, obviously not like in front of her on the table. But I remember her saying, hey, you know, like, where do your friends like to go? Would you take me there? Um, mm-hmm. Where do you and your friends like to eat? Could we could we go there? Um, could we find a restaurant like that here? Um, like, you know, you've been off at college and you've, you know, you've read, I don't know, we've paid for 50 books this year. I've seen it on the, you know, <laughs> on the credit card. Um, do any of those stand out in your mind as something that I should read? So this yeah. kind of like becoming a student of your college student, instead of um, acting as if they're just coming back into your house and they haven't changed, they haven't eaten anything different, been anywhere, met anybody, learned anything, but instead of saying, like, well, what did you learn at school? Instead, it'd be like, did you read a specific book that you think you'd like me to read? Or um, yep. maybe there was a lecture that you want me to listen to to become a student of our students. Right. And hear who their influencers are. Hey, what mm. do you listen to? What, do you listen to a podcast on a regular basis? Um, would you mind sharing that with me? I'm just, you know, listening for some new voices in, you know, in my life. Some, you know, I want to know what encourages you. Uh, and and we're expressing to them. So here could be your favorite thing to do is to follow in the footsteps of um, of the Jewish families who have Shabbat on Friday night. Now, maybe Friday night's not the best night for your family, but what they do at that dinner is they eulogize each other. Now we have saved eulogies for after people are dead and they don't, you know, they can't hear all the wonderful things we're saying about them. Um, what they're doing is every week they're saying to their family, they're saying to their friends who come over for dinner, here is what I see God doing in your life. Here is what I appreciate about you. Here is what um, wonderful things in your character, your conduct that I see. And because of their condition, usually with God. And, And so how do we, not faking it, but how do we start praising first, praising people 
phrases because of um, their attribute. They're unchanging. It's because they're yours, not because of something they do. Never, ever, ever teach somebody that I only love you when you're doing what I am asking you to do the way I asked you to do it. And so um, phrase them for part of, for their character and then thank them for their conduct, something they did that week. This is your chance where the world has torn at your spouse in their workplace, your best friend um, at work or with, you know, a, 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 another relationship, your own children. They have been torn down, torn down, torn down um, in the world. And you have a chance every day to build them back up in the word of God and in your love. Mm, I love that. Praise their attributes. Remind them you are mine. Um, that's just so wonderful. And then thank them for specific conduct. Hey, I saw you do this this week, or I overheard you um, in your conversation with so-and-so. And I really just, I just appreciate how humble you were. I appreciate how wise, what wise counsel you offered. I appreciated that you were non-defensive in your response or, you know, that you set your own rights aside to to really hear them and support them. Um, wonderful opportunity. What would it look like in your family to, over a shared meal once a week, eulogize each other, actually speak blessing, modeled after the Jewish, um, the Jewish rhythm of Shabbat? What would it look like to speak blessing over each other for our character and our conduct? I love that. Kathy, um, as always, wow, thank you so much. It's a, it's a rich feast every time we get together. <laughs> I love it so much. Love you guys. Uh, no gloom in June. Let's have a spiritually successful summer. Love you guys. I love that. I love that. That's Kathy Branzell from the National Day of Prayer Task Force. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. All right, it's the 1st of June. This is the month during which we will... I don't know if we observe it or not, but the summer solstice is going to happen. That's June the 21st. Father's Day is going to be upon us. Juneteenth will be another holiday that many people will be observing across the country. It's National Gardening Exercise Day, or that's the the, the month. This is the month during which that will happen. Um, in terms of a month, June is Alzheimer's and Brain Awareness Month, Aquarium Month. Now, here's all the, for all the foodies out there, it's Dairy Month with yes! Paul Perot. <laughs> He's been regaling me uh, with all kinds of ice cream options. Well, so, you know, uh, yeah. My, my mm. wife and I, you know, it happened as part of COVID. We were driving around and finding these various ice cream shops, and we found the ice cream companies that made them. So I, I have my favorites. Uh, there's one out of Madison, Wisconsin, that is just the best ice cream I've tasted. But there's some other good ones out there. So, but yeah. All right, go ahead and give a shout out to the your okay. favorite one. Yeah, Chocolate Shop of Madison. Uh, if you, <laughs> you go to their website, you can find places. I, I look to find some near you, and there are some even down the Nashville that sell the stuff, and it is just it is so good <laughs> there you go there you go so it's uh it's national dairy month it's also uh you know fresh fruit and vegetable month it's iced tea month and it's candy month so there's all kinds of uh yeah the uh, foodies lots apparently. of sweet options yeah lots of sweet options it is um effective communication month so that feels like a good one for us to celebrate here on on a show where we're trying to communicate the goodness of the gospel. So in all the other things that this month um, will be and the things that people will be celebrating um, or honoring or acknowledging, 
this gives you the opportunity to just say, you know, in addition to this being Pride Month, which you're observing, it's also National Accordion Awareness Awareness Month, and maybe that's the one I'm choosing to observe. Ah, uh, yeah, that's the one we got to. There's be that that yeah. really like world renowned accordion player. I think we ought to highlight some of his music during. Uh, during well, this month. yeah, but we have to be careful about licensing I know. And like well, that. Maybe but, he'll just uh, come online. Frankie Yankovic was probably one of the best out there, but uh, yeah. <laughs> It's Adopt a Cat Month if you don't have one of those and uh, and could. Um, and then in terms of like the weeks of the month, next week, so week one of June, like the first official full week of June, is Fishing Week. And so I think that's going to be a good opportunity for us to talk about being fishers of men. Um, what does that look like um, from a gospel perspective? Next week is also National Gardening Week. And so it's going to be a good week for us to talk about the garden, uh, the Garden of Eden. Um, the Garden of Gethsemane, God's good design, um, the cultivating of the culture, the seed of the word, the wheat and the weeds, or the wheat and the tares, the good fruit, the vine and the branches, the harvest of righteousness, all kinds of opportunities for us to talk about um, the seed and the sower and the soils and all those good things during National Gardening Week. Um, The second week of June is apparently email week, which just seems, do we really need that? I, I feel like I feel like email email is overwhelming. So during email week, I might plan to delete and purge and clean up and unsubscribe or just not answer email during email week. Maybe that would be a good way to uh, to, to quote unquote observe email week. And then flag week includes flag day and flag day is June 14th. So flag week is the week that includes June 14th. So the second week of June. And it'll be a good week for us to talk about like what banner are you living under? Are you living under the banner of Christ? What flag are you flying in your life? Um, what, um, like, and why? And you're going to immediately say, you know, I'm flying the stars and the stripes. Well, are you also flying the banner of Christ? And which one is at the top of the pole in terms of um, what you're living under and what you're waving in the world? Um, obviously, because, you know, every day has uh, different, it's you know we honor different things on different days it's just gotten kind of crazy and out of hand i'll tell you that today is dare day so like i dare you to share the gospel with somebody today that would be good it's also it's also flip a coin day so i don't know if you haven't flipped a coin lately um that might be a fun thing to practice in your yard uh that might be a um traffic stopper like people like what what are they doing over there um not to be confused with flip-flop day, which is uh, tomorrow. I, I know you needed to know that. Scrolling ahead, I just thought it was important for you to note that um, June, although this does not appear on any national calendar, is also my birthday month. And so June the 9th is my birthday, which also, just for the record, I feel like this is no coincidence, also is National Strawberry Rhubarb Pie Day. Paul Perot, did you know that? Did you know I, that my I, birthday? It's it's just it was a divine it's connection divine. right there. That's all we can divine. say. Divine. It's all we it's can divine. say. Yes, yes. Plan now for how you are going to celebrate National Strawberry Rhubarb Pie Day on my birthday, June the 9th. All right. Um, every day is a day that the Lord has made. We rejoice. We're glad in it. For some, it may also be the day of salvation. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.